0: Okay. Okay, listeners, welcome. It's episode seventy-two of the Adrian Bow Podcast, and I'm delighted to bring today a real estate luminary, really, with John McGrath. John, how are you doing, my mate? Bowie, very well. Just it just struck me that
1: it took seventy-two times before <laughs> you thought before you thought I'd be a good guest on your podcast. So I won't take offence, but lovely to speak to you. <laughs>
0: thanks mate and um, I'm glad I know
1: that I'm number 72 on your list of interesting people
0: (laughs) top 100 top 100 (laughs)
1: that's right
0: yeah so look at it it'd be too benign for me to call John a friend we are family and um, yeah we've been family for a long time so it's great great to have you 25 Um, years 25 years yeah long time my mate long time Um, so we're gonna get stuck into it now in terms of sort of coaching agents I know that people can refer to million dollar agent and there's some granular practitioner based uh dialogue and tips and hacks that people can uh tap into but today we're going to sort of take the helicopter view a little bit higher and so sort of, you know you really are john um and i know you're modest you'd never admit it but you really are the leading um thought person in real estate in australia if not the world in my opinion so Thank we're you. going yeah pleasure mate and and also you know just just as a as a, as a pre-note you know a pre- massive appreciation What you do on behalf of the industry You don't get enough of it um, And you, you've created some If not the best agents in the country And you, you, you don't get enough recognition So mate, thank you on behalf of the entire industry Thanks Barry No, absolute pleasure mate absolute pleasure. So the first thing I think it would be remiss Not to, to deal with What we've been through recently With COVID What what lessons both professionally and personally Have you taken away From, from what's happened Oh, look,
1: I think professionally more than personally, I think that COVID is just another distraction and reason for people to blame something other than themselves for results. And I don't want to sound too hard on that. I'm very aware there have been people that have had ill health and some have even lost loved ones. But at a a business level, and and, and I'm very respectful of that, but at a business level, Bowie, as you and I both know, because we've done coaching together for years, until you actually accept responsibility for your results, you're never gonna get anywhere near your full potential. And there are so many existing business as usual excuses people use, COVID just came in as a, as a whopping um, left field excuse. And yet you and I have seen many agents who have doubled their business during the COVID period, because they stayed focused, they saw it as an opportunity rather than, than as, a, uh, as a horrible tragedy, or sorry, as a, as a business tragedy, put it that way. And um, I think, you, you know, you've just got to be flexible. I saw a quote yesterday, I was driving, it's a well-known one, I, I don't know it exactly, but it's around Darwin saying, it's not the survival of the fittest, it's around the survival of the most adaptable to change, species most adaptable to change. And I think the same in real estate. <clears throat> COVID is a, is a reason for change, be it short-term or long-term. And a lot of people, they just didn't change. They kind of sat there. They went into their cave. They battened down the hatches. They hoped that it wasn't there. They wished that it wasn't there. They got fearful. And rather than being confident, looking at the opportunity and adjusting the way you did business, and whether that's using Zoom more or doing virtual appraisals, um, you know, doing your uh, pre-listing uh, information on video as opposed to you know, face-to-face. Whatever it was, I, I think that we saw that COVID, just like the GFC, just like the tech wreck, I'm sure in the 20s and 30s, just like the depression. <clears throat> I was listening to a podcast yesterday and it said that half the Fortune 500 companies in America, so the best 500 companies in America, more than half of them started during one of the world's great tragic economic you know depression or it was in the you know sort of the late 80s or it was the tech wreck Mm. so i do think that that sort of uncertain times for the right people create an opportunity that didn't exist before Mm. i think you know clearly you've got to be sensible Uh, i think anyone that was was you know throwing caution to the wind and and sort of not following um the the appropriate protocols with covid type measures was was crazy because you know, you just don't have that right. It's a serious activity, but it's an activity that can be, you can adopt those protocols and still sell twice the real estate you were selling before. Matt Steinway said it beautifully when when we interviewed him on one of our daily webinars during COVID. And he just said, you know, there were 40 people that wanted to sell. I rang them all, 20 of them still wanted to sell. So I focused on that 20. And he said, there was 100 buyers we were working with. We rang them all, said, you still want to buy and 50 of them said yes. So Rather than worrying, we just focused on the 20 that still wanted to sell and the 50 that wanted to buy, and we had a record month. Mm. So I, I think it's, you know, real estate's just, as you know, and you say it so well all the time in your coaching, it's it's a mindset game. If your attitude is right and you're flexible, it doesn't matter what happens. You know, it, it doesn't matter. if COVID takes five years, and it, and it won't, and I, and I hope it doesn't. But if it took five years, well... For the right agent, you know, you should be able to deal with that. Um, if off the back of COVID, there's some other issue that comes out, again, be flexible. People will always want to buy, sell and rent property. And if you are the best of the best, and you're calm, confident, and you've got a flexible
0: strategy, you're always gonna do well. Yeah, I agree, John. Look, a lot of the agents and principals I've been coaching, uh, I, I basically advise them, look, you know, if you've had to make that many dramatic changes apart from the legislative ones that were, were put upon us, then you're off track anyway. So what a great opportunity now to reinvent yourself. Um, so I totally agree. Um, next topic I want to sort of look at, John, is um, technology. Um now, you, you, were, you were at the genesis of what technology did for our industry back at realestate.com days. You know, I still remember the, the day it was launched and you were, you were involved in that and it was very exciting. Um, so that was a disruptor in, in a positive manner because disruptions don't always have to be a negative. Um, do, you see, uh, do you see any other new technology in our lifetimes um, either interfering or supporting our industry that will be launched Uh, look lifetimes is a long long lead time i'd say in the next few
1: years the, the clear one at the moment digital is still omnipresent i mean whether it's rea domain core logic or whatever but you know you need to be at the forefront of digital and anyone that is not And, you know, Bowie, a lot of agents say, yeah, it's on the internet. You know, the the question is, think of realestate.com, have a statistic that says about 60-odd percent people don't go past page one of the search results. Mm -hmm. So, and when I first heard that, I thought it was strange until I realised when I do a Google search, whether it's for a restaurant or anything, rarely do you go to page two. So it kind of made sense to me. So if you do a real estate search and there's 12 pages of results, you probably don't go much beyond the first page. So... You know, you have to be at the forefront, and you have to have your properties in prime position. And they, when someone lands on them, you have to have all. You know, the other statistic was, I think, about fifty-five percent of people don't look at properties without price guides. Mm. So, if you're not aware of these statistics, you can't be just saying it's on the internet. It's not good enough. Where is it positioned? And does it have what they need? Doesn't have a floor plan. Everyone wants a floor plan. Doesn't have a video. Most want videos doesn't have at least eight good images, et cetera, et cetera. So I think let's not assume that because you're on the internet, you're at the forefront of the leading edge of digital. Social is the other one, Bowie, and you do this brilliantly well. You know, you're very proactive on social. Um, I think social is going to become the next REA domain. I think there's going to be a lot more properties sold off the back of social activity and social profiling. And we've seen you know, many agents throughout Australia have really made this um, a source of excellence for them. So I think, again, you know, now some people see social is just for promoting themselves and it can be, it can be very effective, but I think you've got to start seeing it as a way to get your properties into the inboxes or more specifically the, the feed, social feeds for, for them. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's the obvious one that's sort of be- the, the drums are beating louder and louder every day around that. Uh, I think going forward, you really need to, there's probably not going to be one immediate technology solution that's going to change your business, but there are multiple solutions that you need to integrate. And, you know, we've just shifted across to agent box and some people have got my desktop and whatever. But the question is, you know, what's your base product? And then how do you integrate things like core logic and your campaign solutions? We use campaign track and, how do you actually make the customer experience as well as your own experience seamless, fast, because, you know, once upon a time, if, you know, you met someone at open and you said, you know, could you send me a floor plan? If it arrived in their letterbox in three days, they'd be happy. Now, if they get in the car and they've asked you and they check their email inbox and it's not there yet, they're getting pissed off. And they're saying, well, I thought he was going to send me the floor plan. So it has to become, I think, more just as important or more important than the technology software, it's the integration and how you actually access them and use them seamlessly. So I think right now I'd just be fully fixated on on owning digital and giving the people what they want. Bo, you and I have had this discussion for years and I think we align on it, but agents, once upon a time, agents thought their power lay in them keeping the information and people having to come to them for information, whether it was about water rates, council rates, the price, the, you know, any, anything about the property. In the age of technology and digital, people are not interested in going to the supplier. They go to their website. If their website doesn't provide them what they want, they'll move on to another agent's website or another retailer's website. So you know, I think you've got to give them everything they want on the internet and then you've got to be accessible. So when they're ready to speak to you, you're there to speak to them. Um, yeah I, I think that 's the kind of future beyond what we 've got today i think we 'll all find out in the next few years, but pretty hard to predict beyond the moment but just just focus on digital, focus on social, and give the customer the experience that they expect.
0: Yeah, I agree. It seemed like the last decade of the 20th century was the emergence of email and, uh, and that REA. I still remember sitting in the office sending the first email thinking, wow, you know, that's, that's quite revolutionary. Prior to that, John, you might remember we used to have what we called, I think, welcome notes where we'd write something down and, and have a carbon copy and put it on our colleague's desk as a, as a way to contact them and follow them up. Uh, I, remember, I remember, Bowie, when, when,
1: when I sent and received my first fax, which is, you yeah. know, goes back a long time. And I thought, my God, someone can write a note or type a note and then mm. put it into a machine and it arrives somewhere else. I mean, things have moved quickly. Mm. And I'm sure you'd find that there's been more movement in the last three to five years in, in technology, storage, data and accessibility than there has been in the last you know, 2,000 years. Mm. So, uh, that comes back to that Darwin acceptance of change, being flexible to change. And if you're sitting there and you're thinking, yeah, I don't use price guides and I don't put floor plans out there and, 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 and mm. man, you've got to, like, you've got to change. You know, if, you, if you don't change quickly, other people who are competing with you are going to deliver the customer what they want. And that's why we, we are starting to see there are some of the legendary great agents that you and I have had pleasure working with whose business have gone to the new level. But there's new people that have been in the industry in less than two years who are also coming through
0: because they are applying the new principles. A la um, Josh Teslon. Oh, you know, yeah,
1: perfect unbelievable. Example,
0: perfect example, you know. Property a day he's selling,
1: property a day. Yeah. I saw a post he did the other day on, on Instagram, I think it was, he did six deals in one day or six offering acceptances or exchanges in one day, I mean,
0: yeah. that
1: was unheard of before. And, and he actually, to be honest, he's not a—he is a big user of uh, social media. Mm. He's not a big user of computers. You know, he uses, his phone is his is his micro, is is his, is his supercomputer. But mm. yeah, I think there's there's a whole new breed of agents coming through.
0: Yeah, I think like I was very fortunate enough to recognise, you know, decades ago that I no longer had a choice with database. I thought I'm just going to database everyone I know and nothing immediately came of it. But then after a few years, I found that the nurturing process was... There, there was that reciprocity and people were coming back to me a bit like social, you know, I embraced it a few years ago, not expecting much from it, but now it's literally delivering listings and sales. Um, so I think that that's, that's critical. Um, uh, the next thing, John is uh, discipline. It's something I get asked Constantly, Bowie. You know, how, how do you work? The hours you do. You know, what keeps you motivated? You've been doing it for 31 years. I mean, you and I have worked alongside for for years, John. And you and I run at a very similar pace. You know, and you've been in it, you know, five or six years longer than I have, um, and you're, you know, a few few years older. What 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 is that? I mean, I always just tell people, look, I just feel on purpose, and I just love what I do, and I think it's uh, most of it's just energy and enthusiasm. But I mean, is is there anything more to it? Well, I think it starts with that. You're you're bang on, Bowie. Purpose is important, and
1: if you actually don't see the bigger picture around what you do day to day, there are going to be times you burn out or you do things at a suboptimal level. So there's got to be a you know, burning platform, as we often call it internally, mm. number one. Number two is I think, you know, you do have to love it. Mm. And people say, well, how do you do that? Well, you just, I mean, I use the example, Bo. you've heard me say it before, when I, when I list every property I list I love. Does that mean I would want to buy every property? No, but I find a way to find something within every property that I know the buyer that's going to buy It's going to really love it. Even if it's price, if there's no intrinsic value with, you know, the the property itself, maybe this is just a bargain price and that's going to allow somebody to get into the property market where they never could have before. So I think you've got to find the things about your job that you love Mm. and you've got to realise for most people listening to this, most of your listeners are probably, I would imagine, Australia, New Zealand, in, in a great capital city or regional town and selling property, meeting interesting people every day, looking at interesting homes, helping them figure out how they can get the most for their home, helping them figure out how they can afford a new home. And I think, shit, if you can't get excited about that, I'm not sure what else you could be doing. I mean, you could be saving lives. That would also be mega and far more exciting, but if you don't have that skill, I think you've got to see that helping people move in and out of a new home is a really admirable task. And if you become a black belt or a master of that skill, you, um, I think you, you're really going to start enjoying it. The next thing, you know, you said before about is there anything more? I think habitual application and routine and systems, and I think, you know, you've been the most disciplined agent Bowie. I've seen in the last quarter of a century about, you know, just sitting down, for example, you know, how you worked your database, your client base for 25 years, and it's worked spectacularly well. I think you've got to develop a routine and apply it systematically to your life. And it'd be great to think you just wake up, you don't have anything on your to-do list, you just wander around all day and you make magic happen. But in reality, that doesn't doesn't really happen very much. Who do I need to ring? What are my priorities? What systems do I have? What checklists do I need to apply to my business? Because, you know, I think willpower can be slightly overrated. It's better to have a system and a set of habits around it. So every single day it kind of happens without fail. And the last thing would be probably accountability. I mean, hiring people or working with people around you that will actually hold you accountable. I was speaking to a friend of mine the other day, Bo, he's up in Brisbane now. He was in real estate. Um, anyway, long story short, he's moved up to Brisbane. He's out of the industry for the moment, but he's put on a bit of weight. And, he's, and he said to me, he's, he hired a coach to kind of help him in his mindset. And he said to the coach, I'll put on weight, I want to take it off. And the guy said, well, you know, you know one of the things you want to do is get this sort of powder, meal replacement powder, it's going to help you. This was last Friday. And he said, "Yeah, okay." He said, yeah, "I'll do that. I'll probably do it Sunday, and I'll start Monday." And and he looked at him. The coach looked at him. He said, "Man, I want to see within the next three hours a photo of that powder on your kitchen bench, mm. mixed into the first drink." You know, so as he was, he increased the standards, and he said, "No, no, I'm not interested in next week or sometime in the future." Mm. He said, "Let's do it now." So I think accountability is really underestimated, uh, and I think that's why a lot of people are sensibly hiring coaches. Uh, mm. Some of them they're paying for professionally. Some people are fortunate within their own business or environment to have a coach they can tap into. So I think the last bit of discipline is making sure you create an environment where you really have to be at your best every day.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, people that uh, I work with, as they know, John, um, I, I refuse to work with them unless they are accountable and send, send me their weekly metrics. And I look at short and long term metrics, as you know, not only listings and sales, but also what, what sort of face to face meetings did you have? What sort of data entries do you do? And I was very fortunate enough to bring that into management as well and drove people crazy when I'd send people emails and always CC myself and that was my system, you know, and, and I would relentlessly ad nauseum contact them and say, has this been done? Has this been done? And, you know, and, and that was something I was being able to transfer from a sales uh, talent into, into a management skill, which I think uh, for me anyway, I found it working very well. Um, so yeah. I, think, I think you're totally right. Um, JM, adversity. This is an industry which which comes with adversity and 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 a lot of rejection and and you know you fall out of momentum. Things happen, stuff goes wrong. Um, you were very you were very helpful. In, in a challenging period of my life where you introduced me to stoicism and I would call myself an active stoic now. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, and, you know, and well, By the way, I
1: was listening to that book the other day, Bowie, uh, called The Obstacle is the Way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if you've heard it, but your listeners, everyone should listen. It's a five-hour listen. I've listened to about the first three hours of it.
0: Yeah, and I'm um, reading it at the moment. Bit.
1: Ryan it's um
0: Ryan. Ryan huh? yeah, Holiday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ryan Holiday. In fact, he was he was due to come to Eric last year, the
1: one we couldn't have. Yeah. But um yeah, look, I think the so the concept of stoicism people should read up about, and I'm not gonna butcher it by trying to define it, but mm. I think simplifying your life, I think having discipline where it's required, and realizing that there's always gonna be bumps and bruises. They are almost impossible to avoid. The question is how good do you get at dealing with them? Because let's just say you're an agent, which most people listening to this would be, and you want to go from three sales a month to 10 sales a month. Well, in amongst all of that, there is going to be an increase in rejection, failure, disappointment. There's going to be listings you chase you don't get. There's going to be properties you list you don't sell. There's going to be options you pass in. And I think, you know, you've got to actually see that's part of the terrain. Dan Sullivan, who's a legendary coach of billionaires in the U.S., and he said, you have to fall in love with the obstacles. Um, and I think it was Kobe Bryant. I'm sure I saw a video. It was Kobe. I don't think it was Michael Jordan. I'm sure it was Kobe at a, at a uh, sort of an interview or a press, a press interview after a game and they were talk about disappointment. He said, man, the only place there's disappointment is in your mind. He said, yes, not everything goes the way I expect it to do, so I get back on the court and I do more practice, more training, so next time I have a better outcome. But he said there's no point sitting there wallowing over the things that don't go your way. And I think that's common for most people, probably all people, Bowie, I've seen that a successful in this industry. Now, that doesn't mean we're all human beings. That doesn't mean if you go for a $10 million listing, and you miss it, there's not a moment of, of disappointment. I mean, that, that's human. But the question is, what do you do next? Do you actually hit the hit the you know basketball court in a, in a metaphorical sense and practice your free throws so the next time you win the game on the buzzer rather than lose the game? Um, or do you sit there and you, know, you feel sorry for yourself and then you miss the next three listings? You know, you, you have to be able to pick yourself up. And in golfing terms, I remember it was Steve Williams, I think is the guy that coached uh, the caddies for Tiger. I used to caddy for Tiger and Greg Norman. And he just said, you know, Tiger was a great golfer, but his superpower was bouncing back when he had things go against him. And, I, and I'm not talking about the horrific kind of issues he had off, off the off the golf course. I'm talking about if he went out and he, and he shot a terrible hole or a terrible round, he's, uh, Steve said... He had the ability to compartmentalise it, to walk to the next golf tee or 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 to go home that night and then come back the next morning absolutely fresh and focused and positive. And he said most golfers, they have a bad hole, it ruins the round. They have a bad round, it ruins the tournament. They have a bad tournament, it ruins the year. And he said Tiger was strong mentally and he had the ability to deal with his failures and disappointments on the course. So... Yeah, I think it's, it's critical. I don't think you can avoid them. I think you can process them differently. Um, I think you can neutralise them emotionally. You can manage your own expectations, uh, which is part of that neutralisation process. You know, Bowie, from having worked together for so long. I hate it when an agent says, that, oh, I sold that one today. And I said, well, has it exchanged? And they mm. say, no, not yet. And I said, well, you haven't sold it. Mm. And they say, yeah, 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 no, we got offer an offer acceptance. It'll go tomorrow. I said, great, tomorrow, once it's exchanged, tell me about it. But as that today, it hasn't sold. Same with listings. So mm. why do I do that? Because I want you to manage your own expectations. I want you to deal with the reality. And when it's time to celebrate, celebrate, but not before. Mm. And if you miss the listing and it goes to someone else, learn from it and move on smarter, but without any attitude or without any negative energy around it. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's really important. But a big part of Stoicism, as you know, Bo, is, is um, minimalism and simplification, just figuring out what's important in work and out of work, enjoying the simple things. And I know that sounds cliche-like, but it's real. Enjoy the simple things. That's the stuff, uh, I think, of, of Stoics rather than always chasing the next rainbow and, um, you know, trying to complicate your life.
0: I mean, life, life is as simple or as complicated as you want to make it. Yeah, and and another sort of nucleus or framework around stoicism is you can't always control what happens to you, but you can always control how you interpret at what what that is and how what it means to you. So, what what's what's mastery look like in that sense, John? Because that's easier said than done, right? Like, you lose a listing, you know. Sure, you can't control that in some situations, but controlling what it means just just double click on that a little bit and say, well. How do, you, how do you actually move from that?
1: So it reminds me of a quote, I think it was Viktor Frankl, that said, between stimulus and response is a space. Mm. It's your ability to master that space that makes you successful and happy. So what does that mean? Well, stimulus is anything that happens in the world that, that appears to somehow touch you. It's a comment someone makes. It's an activity. Yeah. It's an event. And the response is the moment from when that activity happens or the trigger to how and when you respond Mm. is the key so if people just have a look at that little space sometimes it's momentarily momentary space sometimes it's longer and you say okay anything that happens around me is really just a stimulus Mm. how i choose so this is a new way of processing some people think well if someone cuts me off on the road i have to get angry shoot my horn and swear at them other people say well i can just slow the car down let them in and ignore it and move forward and be delighted that i let them in that's another good deed for the day. So, people, I think, don't realise how much control, if they want to assert it, they have over their moods, their their thought process. You know, people think, oh, well, that happened to me, so I've got to be angry. No, you don't. You can be whatever emotion you choose at that moment. Uh, oh, that happened, so you know, I've got to have this, uh, unleash this emotion, disappointment. So I lost, you know, something. I lost a listing, so I've got to be disappointed. Not necessarily. You can be appreciative that you had the opportunity to meet them. It gave you an opportunity to practice your wares. You've, you know, there's an opportunity to serve them in the future. You can then learn to be better next time. You can get valuable feedback, and you might pick up the listing second time around. So you can be appreciative and realise that it actually was a positive outcome, even though it wasn't the outcome that you wanted. So yeah, I think it's just having the awareness around the fact that. You get the opportunity to choose your response at any given time to any situation. Once you've, once you've actually put that in your brilliant supercomputer called your brain, your mind, your soul, you then can start thinking differently. So the next time someone, or someone could be in the car right now, and they're sitting there and you know the person in front missed the green light and you, know, you might have thought, oh, I'll toot them or I'll think negatively of them. No. You just say, look, there's time, there's no hurry. Mm-hmm. So I think um, it's, it's really important to get that definition. So think about stimulus and you actually
0: have the ability to control or choose your response. I agree. I was with a top agent last week, John, coaching them one-on-one um, and talking about this topic and I asked him, have you ever cried or got emotional watching a fictitious movie? And he said, oh, yes. I said, well, there you go. I mean, that's something that's that's fiction, and yet you created your own response and you decided how to respond to that. So, you know, yeah. if you bring that into to other parts of your business, it's, it's amazing. What did you control. realize? Did you realize they were actors? Well, yeah, yes. that's right. Okay, but still, you got
1: yourself into that emotional space where you chose a reaction. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I think it's. Um, A lot of people think they're pre-programmed and they probably have to some degree been pre-programmed, but they haven't realized they actually have the ability to reprogram it. So a lot of people say to me, Bo, I'm not a morning person. Oh, that's just me. I've got OCD or, you know, I'm just like that. I'm extremely emotional. That's just my makeup. Well, your makeup is whatever you want. And I love emotion and I see myself as a fairly emotional person, but I also understand the degree to which I'm emotional is my choice. It's not predetermined. It's not
0: in my DNA. It's actually a choice. Mm. On that though, John, I mean, there are people like you and I, for example, who are innately hard workers and innately have a good work ethic. And there's others who, let's say there's a chasm between us and them, can, can that be learned and acquired and taught? Or is it, is it biological? Is it nature? For no, I think, I think if anything
1: and everything to, that I can think of can be learnt and people become much better. Are there some people that may have a natural inclination to be a little bit better salespeople or a little bit more academic? Yeah, probably. Hmm. But you know, if you're not a great academic and you put the hard yards in, you'll become much better. If you're not a great people person or salesperson and you put the effort to become better, you may not end up being best on the planet, but you're going to be end up being ten times better than you are today. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. You know, you don't have to compare yourself every single time. You can just say, look, I want to become better at this. And you and I have spoken, we, we've done many years with Dr. Fred, and mm. As he says, you know, if you want to learn to play golf, well, go and buy some clubs, buy some shoes, go out there, buy 10 lessons and stick to it and practice and read a few books, watch a few videos and you're going to become a pretty good golfer. You may not be Tiger Woods, but you'll become a pretty good golfer. It's just a matter of you making that decision. So I think whether it's leadership, salesmanship, um, parenting, being a good husband or wife, spouse,
0: partner, I think you can become better at all of it. Mm, I agree. Hey, JM, you and I have sat in front of a lot of agents and I've seen you ask this question many times, which is, why should I list with you? And it's amazing how opaque and nebulous some of these responses are and even some really high performing agents, how below average, some of the responses are what as, as a basic agenda, if someone can create it in their own mind or, 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 what, what do you think best practice response should be? Not, not necessarily esoterically, but, but what's, what's a list of things they should, they should have in their arsenal. So it's got to be authentic. So it's got to be real. There's no
1: point writing the brochure if you actually don't fulfill your promise. So
0: first thing is,
1: I would say is what actually does a customer, let's call it talking about listing at the moment. What is the customer looking for? They're looking for two things. They're looking for the highest possible price and they're looking for a good experience along the way. So they actually enjoy it rather than think it was horrible afterwards. So I would say to the client, Adrian, there's two things that I found out that all my clients want and here's how I've dealt with those. Number one, with regard to the experience, you're gonna deal with me. It's all gonna be um, a very clear, transparent, honest integrity. If I tell you something, it's real, you never have to second guess it. So I'll give you a great experience. Number two, I've developed a 12 step process or a six step process that maximizes the price of your home. Let me take you through that because your home is not worth the same amount of money depending which agent you use. The better the agent, the better the price. So let me just take you through it because this is the thing, Adrian. I've never had, I've never really understood the whole fee discounting bit to the level. I understand that you know people will ask for the best deal possible. I get it, and I understand occasionally you might make a commercial decision to to tweak your fee. But at the end of the day, if you walked into a car yard and there was fifty cars on the lot, you'd find fifty different price tags. Some would be two hundred thousand, some would be fifty thousand. They are all different price because they all provide you something different. And I think agents walking in and lining up for a listing with six of and assuming because the lowest common denominator or lowest tender was at 1% and you're at 2% that you need to match the one is kind of a little bit flawed in thinking. So I think, you know, you've got to be able to back yourself. Um, you've got to be very clear about what you... Now, some people say, but I haven't got a seven-step process to maximise price. Great. Develop one. What are six or seven things you can do that if you applied these consistently in the proper way to every listing you had would provide the best possible outcome for the client? So I think, you know, giving people what they want, which is a good experience and the best possible price has really got to be the summary of your of your elevator pitch. All you need to do is fill in the blanks, which are what are the things that you are going to do. I remember hearing the story, Bowie, of a great architect. Now, I've forgotten his name. He was on the northern beaches of Sydney. I'm going back 25 years ago. He could well still practice, but I've forgotten. And he did, he did a property for a client of mine, and they told me that it was amazing. He went and spent three days camping on the site. It was an empty, empty site. There was no house on it. He spent three days camping on the site because he wanted to see where the sun came up, you know, where the birds were, where the, you know all the things that were going to impact them when they were living there before he actually put pen to paper about designing the home. Now that's maybe left field and it's a one-off, but that stuck with me for a quarter of a century of, you know, what are people doing to set themselves apart to give the customer a better outcome? And that's what he was doing. He was saying, I'm going to camp on your site for three days because I need to know everything there is to know about it. And I can't know that unless I'm here early in the morning, I'm here late at night, I'm here during the day, see how the sun moves around the property. So, um, yeah, I think you've just got to have a really authentic value-add proposition, and it's got to be succinct. You're right. The number of people that we coach, you and I, we've done it together, we've done it apart, and you say, why would I list with you? Oh, because we have a lot of offices. Oh, because, you know, we've got a nice website. You know, all stuff that really just it doesn't cut through, and it's probably something that every other person has said to them. Um, you've just got to come up with the right combination to crack the code of getting the highest possible
0: price. Yeah, I agree. Um, another one I want to get into, JM, with you is, um, you know, wealth creation. Now, uh, you know, w- let's, just, let's put aside the fact that agents might do it because they love the industry and love people, property, et cetera. But part of salesmanship is, is, is wealth creation and to earn commission. So they can do whatever they want with that, you know, um, now, whether it's an associate who wants to become a standalone agent or whether it's a standalone agent who wants to become a principal, um, as you know, for most of my career, you know, I list and sold and then my wealth creation plan was buying investment property, for example. You know, I know that there's a lot of agents that are delusional about business ownership and you and I have had multiple conversations with many of them. What advice would you, would you give to them? I mean, it, it could be appropriate for some, but as you and I know, it's not appropriate for most. What's, what's, what sort of skill set do they need and is it a good idea?
1: Um, look, I think for a lot of people now that agent commission splits have moved significantly north from where they were, I think, and the cost of running a business has gone up a lot, What probably could have been a good idea for people 10 or 20 years ago, it's actually much harder to um, see it working for you financially. So what does that mean? Once upon a time, it was 50-50 and it was not that expensive to run a business. Now agents are getting bigger splits than 50% and costs of rents and labour and everything's gone up. So the margins, most good businesses are running on margins of 15, 10, 5, 3%, some of them. So I think what you've got to do is, is be realistic about um, the, the value of running a business in terms of the, the real profitability, not the profitability people pretend, but the profitability they're really delivering themselves. Two is you're then going to ask yourself, why am I doing it? Because as you know, Bowie, in our, in our group at McGrath, we, we've got many agents that are writing more money than most real estate offices around the country themselves as individuals or small teams. And I think you look at that and you say, well, is it financially driven? The answer is probably you'll do, if you're a really good agent, you're better to eliminate your distractions, find a company, a brand or a team that you really want to work with that you can help, that can help you grow and you'll probably earn more money there. Second thing is the whole myth of the rent roll. I mean, the average real estate company in Australia, after 25, 30 years, the principal's got 200 on their rent roll. So let's say that's worth somewhere between half a million and a million dollars, and people say, Oh, well, that's that's something, that's a superannuation nest egg. But the time and effort you've put into that and the distraction, if you'd been applying that to just growing your own personal sales business and the profit you make, you're investing in blocks of flats or BHP shares or whatever you want to invest in. That's up to other people to decide, you'd probably be there looking at multiple of millions of dollars in investments that are not tied to your core business so yeah you know, i think you want to develop that passive income on the side and you want to um basically work out some people say well, i ask the question why are you think of doing it oh well uh, i don't know i just i speak to my spouse and my spouse says why don't you run your own business well i think that's good that spouses ask people to think about the position is there a better way but then you've got to click into reality check um oh you know what am I doing this for? You're a principal of a business. You go away at Christmas for a month. I've got to tell you, every day you're checking in to see the place is still running you know, the way it should be running. So, uh, yeah, I think it's – and for sure, some people have done it. They've done it extraordinarily well. They've probably benefited from it. But I would say that's the minority. It's not the majority.
0: Yeah, I agree. So as we start wrapping up, that's sort of a good segue into these new new models which are launching, John. I mean, the two prominent ones are probably Exp and UrbanX. I, I, I've coached agents for both. I don't have any, any uh, other involvement apart from that, but I've certainly observed them and seen seen them gain some traction. I mean, what what, what are your thoughts on that? They sort of seem to be cloud based offer the back-end support and offer a higher commission split where people can create their own brand. What's your thought on it? I think, Bowie, look, it's, again, it
1: depends what you're looking for. If someone, yeah, we saw Remax years ago, and I'm not being disrespectful because Remax in its day was a powerhouse, which seems to not be delivering that same performance. But You know, Remax was a place you went to if you want a maximum commission and really just operate by yourself in a serviced office type environment. Mm. It was probably ideal. Mm. But if you actually want to be a part of a culture and a group and a team that can help you grow and that you enjoy working in that environment, often, and again, I think with COVID, it'll change a little bit because a lot more people might consider working more remotely than they ever have. But you know, I've found that, you know, we've been fortunate I think to sort of getting close to 30% of the top 100 agents in the country work with us and they work in a collegiate environment where they're sort of, you know, challenging each other, helping each other, learning from each other. For them, they have um, grown to a whole new level, which I don't think they would have got under the model, which is kind of, more of what's what are you looking for? I mean, some people have come from other models and they've joined us and they've said, yeah, but I'm getting 72% and you're only going to give me 60%. I said, yeah, but 72% of what? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I wrote 300,000 last year and I said, well, I'm looking at you and I'm saying you should be writing a million. So if we work together and you're seriously committed, let's get you to 60% of a million, which is a lot more than 72% of 350. Mm-hmm. So I think, again, it depends on your perspective of that. Um, I'm always interested in new models. I've seen many come and go. Uh, As you know, uh, one agency's out there. That seems to be doing okay in a boutique kind of way. REMAX has fallen off the perch a little bit. These other models are coming through, but they're as yet untested. Uh, Yeah, it's a test of time. I mean, anyone can look good for a year or two. The question is 10 or 20 years down the track, are you looking better or worse? So I think people owe it to themselves if they are considering uh, a move. Or, a, or an office for themselves, perhaps. Yeah, get, go and uh, check everything out. It's like a vendor should interview three or four or five agents if they want to get a feel for the market. Go and do your homework and then figure out what's the most important priority.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. So I did promise 45 minutes, John, so we're just just on that now. So the last... The last question which I get asked a lot is this of balance and agents often can fall out of balance just given there's sacrifices to be made. I know you're a big advocate that you can have it all. You can be healthy. You can have a great family life. Um, you can have a, you know, a good social life and still have a successful business. Um, just talk us more about that briefly if you don't mind. The answer is you kind of can have it all. I say kind of that,
1: that you know, if you're sitting there and saying, well, I want to go from... 300,000 to 2 million, but I only want to work, you know, Monday to Thursday there are, at some level, there's going to be a conflict. So I think the first thing Bowie is to prioritize what's most important and how important is it? My view would be health has got to be number one because you have nothing without it. Then you've got family relationships, spouse, loved ones, etc. is kind of number two. And then it's got to be career. Now some people might reprioritize that and they'll say, well, I'm going to put career above everything. Well, I think that's dangerous because you've got nothing without the health piece so i think it is once you prioritize then i think you have to work out you know well how big do you want to grow your sales business and there will be some level of increased effort not massive but some level of increased effort if you want to 10x your business for sure then i think you've got to work out how within your you know ideal week and your typical day do you maximize your effectiveness and productivity. So how do you get to 10 X? Well, if you went to six listings this week and lost them all, if you'd have got five out of the six, you would have still spent the same amount of time, but you'd have walked away with a hundred thousand in potential GCI versus zero. So it is one of these winner takes all game of inches where if you tweak what you do and you develop mastery in the areas of prospecting and listing and selling, then you can go very quickly from 300,000 to three million. It is absolutely possible. Um, so I think knowing it's possible, knowing that it needs a level of prioritisation, and then knowing that we are paid extraordinarily well to be able to master a few key skills in our industry. And most people that I meet and you meet have not gone close to mastering them, which is a problem. The problem's not the competition, it's not your current brand, it's not the market. It's not anything else other than you haven't yet mastered the things you have to get right, which in our industry, it really stops after prospect listing and selling. That's the key stuff. Maybe you could add in there managing your time and managing all of those three processes effectively. So, um, yeah, start with the mindset that it's possible, prioritize, create systems and routines around it, and also team. Again, Adrian, you're always one of the masters of building a great team around you. You know, you can leverage. It's like, you know, we often use the metaphor you and I have used it many times. It's like being a surgeon. You know, you don't have to book the, the, uh, the theatre. You don't have to wheel in the patient. You don't have to put them to sleep. You don't have to clean the tools uh, and the equipment. All you need to do is be, be a great surgeon at the point when the operation is ready. And I think a lot of people try and do everything. They don't understand the concept of leverage. They don't understand that a 5% increase in performance could equal a 100% increase in revenue for you. And they just don't put the effort in. You have to put the effort in to get brilliant at what you need to be brilliant at. And once you do that, sky's the limit.
0: Is it okay for some people to sacrifice, say, relationships and health just for a very short period of time if they do want to, um, you know, expedite their career and then, then get back to balance,
1: Look, I don't, think, I don't like the word sacrifice because it kind of means or it assumes, well, I'm in a good relationship, my health's pretty good, but I'm prepared for both of those to fall by the wayside mm-hmm. while I achieve more money. I think that's a really dumb and unnecessary attitude. I think, you know, there's a time when people choose to be single and focus on their career because they don't have a partner and they don't have kids and they just want to focus on that. I think that's a decision you can make. But I think it's not a decision you have to make. I think if you're, it's just like staying healthy. Well, just, you're going to have three meals today. Just make sure they're good meals rather than junk meals. Mm. And you're either going to drink or not drink two or three liters of, of water today. Mm. So, you know, you're going to be there anyway. You may as well drink the water and have the good quality meals, make better decisions. And all you need to do to, to shift up a bit is maybe get up 45 minutes early and go for a walk. And then you kind of got close to perfect health. Yep. So I think, yeah, don't feel that it's either or. It's either a good relationship and good health or a good business. Mm. I think the only sustainable option is ticking all three boxes. And I think that's more important than sustainable. It's the only fun option. I mean, who wants to be the richest person in the cemetery? Yeah. Um, yeah. Dr. Fred used to say to us when you and I sat for many, many years in his meetings, you know, he said it's like getting a hole in one if you're a golfer and you're on your own and you're the only person there and you get a hole in one, how does it feel? Mm. Kind of not that good. Whereas if you're there and you, you know, your buddies are there and your best friends or your partner, your spouse, your kids, and they see it, it has 10 times the pleasure. So, you know, a shared experience and, and being surrounded
0: by people you love and care and those that love and care about you is really far more important. Excellent, John. So, listeners, we're, John's been very generous with his time. We've gone just over 45 minutes. John, I'd like to you know, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, not only are you a, the best thought leader, in my opinion, in business and real estate, but the best human being that, that I've got the pleasure of, of, of you know being a very close friend with. So, thank you um, again on behalf of the industry. And, uh, mate, love you lots, buddy. You too, Bowie. Thank
1: you for involving me and hi to all your listeners. Have a great day.
0: Thank you. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye.